Hello and welcome to e-commerce uncovered. I'm your host Matt Lady. Each and every week I get to talk with and learn from enthusiastic guests, freelancers, agency folks, in-house marketers and founders, all in an effort to help you bootstrap your D2C brand profitably. We got two episodes a week which will have you staying up to date on the ever-changing industry and learning fundamental concepts and tactics to apply to your brand. Enjoy the show. Today's episode is with a self-proclaimed Seltzer nerd, a DTC newsletter contributor, the head of brand and community at Wonderment. Wonderment's a not-so-average order tracking app that helps manage your 3PL, send delayed shipping notifications, trigger review quests, and much more. And last but not least, Forbes 30 under 65. Please welcome Juliana Casale. How are you doing? Thanks for joining me. I'm fabulous. How are you, Matt? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Um, not everyone asks, so I appreciate that. So I'm glad I'm glad you're here, and we're here to talk about customer experience. Uh, Wonderment is uh, your current gig, and is a great app to help with that. We're, we we might mention it, but that we're not here to just talk about Wonderment the whole time, but just to talk about customer experience as a whole. So, what? How do you define customer experience, and what? How? What? Why does it matter? Yeah, so I think a lot of the traditional outlook on customer experience has been actually calling it customer support historically. And I think the the traditional outlook on that is, you know, you go to the website or the retail store, you buy the product, and then something goes awry and you need help. And then you reach out to this team and they solve it for you. And maybe there's some complaints involved and maybe there's some escalations to the manager. And it's not really viewed as a pleasant experience on either side. Um, I think I've seen this trend, especially in the last year with D2C, where experience really applies to all of the parts of the customer purchasing process from how you interact with the website to how you interact with the emails you get to how you interact with the founder of the brand or the operations people who are leading it. And then CX is obviously a layer on top of that, but it could be that CX runs a chat bot that you're talking to before you even place the purchase or CX is sending you emails to check in once you've gotten the delivery in the mail. Um, it's not always a reactive channel and it's not always um, because something's gone wrong. And I think the more brands shift away from this reactive firefighting view of um, customer experience slash support, um, the better off we'll all be. So that's what I'd love to talk about today, actually. Yeah. So let's let's keep going and down that path. So how can we change our perspective and wrap our minds around it being a profit center versus a cost center? With bootstrap founders, they're they're strapped for obviously bootstrapped for money, but obviously as well is they're kind of starting on their own usually doing everything, wearing all these hats, their time. So how do we like start to shift that perspective and how do we get them to start thinking about it more in, in, in this way? Yeah, so I think a couple things there. Um, it's not that the support part is going away. At the end of the day, the foundational you know reason that this team exists is to help customers. And yes, sometimes there'll be a delivery delay or someone gets the wrong thing or it breaks in transit or whatever happens, happens. They're gonna come to you for support, whether it's phone, whether it's chat, whether it's email, you know, and you're gonna have to solve that problem for them. You're gonna have some sort of help desk situation. Um, So that's not going away. Um, I think 
you're going to need it, whether you're running it as the founder or you're outsourcing to the Philippines or you've got your own in-house team, whatever the situation is. Um, I would say, you know, to cut down on costs and to make it easier on yourself, there's a lot of automation you can bake into, um, you know, tagging tickets, having, you know, um, automated replies to things. Like there's definitely ways to cut down on manual labor. Um, I think once you've kind of decided what your what your SLAs are, you know, when you're on, when you're off, um, how fast you can respond to things. Once you get a sense of what's coming in, what kind of um, complaints there are and how to address them. Like, and once you've got the automation in place, maybe you've got a little breathing room in which to go from firefighting to proactive. And then it's just a matter then of making an experiment, let's say, where, all right, we've got a leader in CX or someone in the team, whether it's the leader or uh, someone else is like, hey, wouldn't it be great if we started relationship building with our you know, customer support, customer experience team? Um, why don't we try something, whether it's a surprise and delight campaign, whether it's sending a free gift on the third order, whether it's sending a custom segmented email. If you've ordered more than one saying like, hey, thank you so much for placing this order. We're a small business. We really appreciate it. Something to try and then see what the impact is on the business in terms of metrics. And I have not come up with this myself, but uh, I was listening to the Down to, Down to Chat podcast with Eli Weiss and he had Michael Bear from Figs on, who's a CX leader. And they were talking about what you can try and how you can prove whether it worked or not. And he's got a bunch of metrics in that episode. Highly recommend listening to it. I'm probably gonna butcher what he said by paraphrasing, but essentially if you take a cohort that has the same situation where they placed a second order, but one cohort didn't get the follow-up, didn't get the surprise and delight, whatever you're trying versus the cohort that did. And then seeing how it plays out in terms of um, like LTV or um, average order value, like there's things you can keep an eye on and there are tools you can use. Like I think Retently was one of the ones he mentioned, but um, use hard data. You just got to try something, stick it to the wall, see what happens. But you can use hard data to back it up. So you just need that buy-in initially on the experiment, but then you're off to the races. And then theoretically, whatever you layer on top um, will make people happy, will keep them around longer, will have them purchasing for you, purchasing from you in the long run um, and coming back and being really happy with your brand. And so um, like you've got a founder who's really data-driven, you just say, hey, like let's just run an experiment, scientifically speaking, keep an eye on the numbers, see how it goes. And if we see good signal, we'll just keep investing in this and maybe we can get a budget going or get some more resources and staff. Yeah. Okay, cool. A lot of uh, good stuff there. Uh, SLA is a uh, service level agreement. Is that right? Okay. So for that's uh, essentially when your support is open, whether it's live chat or by email or uh, social DMs or phone call, whatever that means, just having your hours available uh, and expected response time so that you're kind of, you know, getting ahead of, ah, I sent you a message five minutes ago. It's like, why didn't you respond yet? Well, I'm a single founder and you're outside of my hours and like, go touch grass, like calm down. <laughs> like, I'm trying to help, like, I'm, I'll get to you. Uh, so there's that. And then your su surprise and delight, just trying to figure out how to I don't know, leverage the fact that you're a small brand founder and you can talk directly with your customers. You're not a big box, you know, brand that you have no idea who's buying your stuff. Um, so just let like using, leaning that into a little more and leveraging that. Okay. So that's, it seems like that's a good way 
those are good places like to get to and things to get to as you're building your brand and getting started. But if you were to start a brand um, and keeping in mind from like day one and keeping it simple to start of like, I want to do one or two things in the first three to six months um, because you may, you may not have repeat customers yet. Um, you may still just be getting your first time customers or your product is a first time, you know, one time only purchase sort of deal. What would you keep in mind if you had only one or two things for customer experience from day one? Yeah. So I think you nailed it with saying you're not a big box store. I think a lot of DDC brands either consciously or unconsciously compare themselves to Amazon, feel like the expectations are there that they're going to do the same thing. Um, what's really interesting is I was just reading this, um, here's Retail Brew article where they talk about how it's a fallacy that people expect two-day shipping. And when you actually pull shoppers, they don't want that. If you explain what the impact is on the environment, on costs, on you know all the downsides of it, um, if you explain that, then they're totally fine waiting five, seven, 10 days, as long as you set that expectation up front. And I think like you're not the big box store, lean into it. You're a person running a business. You have a mission, you have values, you have passion behind why you created it. It's really hard. Um, you're not going to nail it off the gate. You're not perfect. So um, if I were starting my own brand, I would lean into that in every channel possible from the marketing site, the about page, explaining why I started it and how I'm a one person operation or maybe three people operation, show a photo of the team. Like here's who's going to be handling your order. Um, just really iterate and set up expectations on any PDPs where like, here's when you order it and here's the timeline on how you're going to get it, how long it takes. Um, and then when there's an order place, maybe even send a follow-up email that says like, thank you so much. Like from the bottom of my heart, really appreciate it. Here's exactly what the process is from start to finish. And we'll let you know if anything goes wrong or if there's any updates, but you know, we've got this, we've got you. Um, Look forward to your package. You could even show behind the scenes footage of the fulfillment process because it's probably me in a garage with a stack of boxes. People love that stuff. So just really leaning in on the personal touch. And by the way, like these aren't manual emails, like these can be one to many, um, but just give any automated communications a personal feel. And that doesn't take that much time. And honestly, like the best emails I get from brands are the ones that feel personal, like they wrote it to me, even though I know they're automating the first name and I know that. Like this is being sent to hundreds of, if not thousands of people, but it just feels really good. And, you know, when I order from Amazon, they do a lot of things right, but like their emails are garbage. Like there's no sense of anything, you know, personal or, you know, it, it just doesn't, it's, it's corporate, right? So like, why not completely steer away from that? Go totally very close, very honest, very authentic. And I think this kind of leads into another thing that I've seen is, you know, I work in a post-purchase platform where a lot of stalled shipments occur. Like it's one of the top reasons people use Wondermint. And I feel like brands shy away from being truthful about the situation. They don't want to tell people what's going on behind the scenes, but I mean, people are going to notice anyway, if their package isn't getting there. So would you rather get in front of it? Say like, I've noticed it ahead of you noticing it before you can even complain like I've got this covered, here's the steps we're taking, here's what we'll do if it doesn't arrive in another two, three days. Like that is such a better experience just to say what's happening. So if I know it's gonna take me two times as long to get a package to someone as Amazon, why not just say that up front and say like, this is what you're getting yourself into with this purchase. 
I'm telling you up front, you can either not buy and that's fine. And I'm sorry, I lost your business, but at least you are not pissed at me later. Um, or they can make the decision and then they're at peace with it taking a bit longer and then everyone's happy at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a huge one of you're mentioning proactivity in multiple ways, but even as far as to make sure it's on the PDP, the product pages, the about page, the, the follow-up automated emails. So you're putting it up front as much as possible. You're trying to communicate, you're transparent. You're a real person talking to another real person. You're not Amazon, one of a trillion packages and customers. So I think that's part of what customer experience uh, gets lost as well. They, we always think about customer support and service and responding to tickets and resolving problems. And I think that's just that that language and it just leads into continuing that, like, oh, this I have to spend time doing this and I like need to do this versus I get to talk to my customers and talk with them and learn from them or, Oh, there's a blind spot. Yeah. That, that is an issue in my process. Like, cool. Thanks for sharing that with me. So I think you're onto a lot of uh, really good stuff there. Um, and yes, a lot of it can be automated with things like Clavio or gorgeous or any of these like tools where it may be 10 to a hundred bucks a month, depending on your size, but that will save you five to 10 minutes over and over and over and over again. Um, yeah, for sure. And another tip that I would probably put into place pretty soon in the three to six months process is I think it's so easy to get bogged down with tickets, especially in the beginning, if you're a one person show, and this is a tip from Zoe Khan who runs um, CX at Chomps. She said, right. um, you know, if you've got a contact form that people go through for support on your website, you can automate it so it tags the tickets with different situations. And that way you can kind of have a high level view of the types of tickets that are getting filed. And that way you know what automations to build first. And that's like a kind of cheat code to not getting bogged down and overwhelmed by all these things coming in. Yeah, no, uh, Zoe shared either that exact tip or something very similar when I chatted with her. Uh, we recorded uh, about a month ago. So that was that's good. She was awesome as well. So. That, that helps you then understand, cool, I keep having, I have 10 tickets, eight out of my 10 tickets are about shipping. Well, crap, let me go look through the whole process again and look through my website and f figure out why shipping seems to be the biggest issue. Or, oh, there's a bunch of returns and wrong sizes. Let me fi figure out how to better communicate the sizing so that there's less of these after the fact. So that five... 30 minutes, however long you spend looking through your site and making those edits and changes and save you all that time later on. So it's just kind of an ongoing iterative process. It's not this one time, one and done sort of deal. So um, especially as you introduce like new SKUs and launch new products, those issues might change. So um, something, just something to keep in mind there. So that makes a ton of sense. Um, that's really good of things to keep in mind from day one in the first couple months there. So as we keep building on top of that, what would be kind of, you have that three to six month like period, you get the basic, these, some of these basics, these things down. What's like the next step? What's the next layer? What kind of is a basic, but sort of advanced thing, intermediate kind of step that you can take to really level up your customer experience. And that could be on the support side. It could be proactively. 
what would you kind of recommend people start looking into? Yeah. So I'm seeing this really awesome uptick in CX people as consultants. Um, so I'll explain. I've got two examples. Um, so Jones Road Beauty, they have, you know, your average support agent who comes from a CX background or, you know, has been trained on it, um, can answer basic questions about the products because they've been trained on them. But then they also have beauty, like former makeup professionals that also are customer support um, agents. And so if you come in to the chat and you get matched with this person, they can actually make recommendations for the product. So they're, it's less of a, I have a problem you're going to solve and more of a, I'm going to buy this, but I need guidance on what to buy. And it's an online website and, you know, like skin tone's really hard to tell on a screen. And they only have one as far as a more real retail store in Montclair, New Jersey. So like, unless you're going there, it gets really hard to know if you're going to get the right thing. And I'm sure the returns on that are very high. And so it's in the best interest of the customer to guide them on, you know, what kind of shade of their foundation to buy. And it's also in the best interest of Jones Road Beauty to, you know, reduce returns, reduce any friction, um, get people to buy again, because they're really happy the first time around. So I've noticed that's like a really awesome um, offering that they have in people instead of going to support to need support are going to support with their purchase, um, you know, needs and then getting matched on that. Um, another example is, um, so Ridge Wallet, one of our customers traditionally has been a wallet company, but they are um, branching out into other SKUs. So now they have um, like men's rings and they have watches that they just roll out. And so I was talking to um, their CX lead, Whitney Graham, and she was saying um, whenever they have a new product launch, they actually get either in-house or like external experts to come in and help everyone on the CX side understand the product, how it works, like any questions that might arise about it so that they're all educated and can, you know, talk from the same playbook around um, like FAQs. Um, so they're not just going in blind and all of a sudden these tickets come in for this new product and they don't know anything about it and can't really, you know, help. It's like they very thoughtfully and purposefully make sure that information is available to the people who need it so that they can educate the customer in turn. And that way, again, the experience with the product's better. They're a more informed, informed purchaser. They probably have a better, um, you know, longevity with the company because they feel like they can trust that if you buy a watch from Ridge, even though they're known for wallets, that you're still getting really high quality um, product. And so um, I think that's also a really great way to approach it. Yeah, really two really good uh, two examples there from Ridge and Jones Road Beauty. And if you're you don't have a CX team, you don't have a CX lead and you, you can't afford outside people and you're kind of still doing it yourself, maybe you have 4 hours of help a week from someone else. Um just trying to think about all the objections and questions you've been seeing and adding it to the product page at least ahead of time uh, would be a huge first step as you launch new products. Like just to have that in your new product launch sort of sequence and setup so that, cool, I think this is what people are gonna ask about. This is what they asked about this product. I'm gonna just like sit down for 30 minutes and try to answer all these hypothetical questions, put on the product page and kind of track and iterate from there. So I love how they like invest that much time and resources into doing that especially since it's such a different category. It's no longer just a, just a wallet. It's rings and watches and um, they have accessories and stuff too. 
uh, with uh, keychains or uh, AirTag kind of covers and stuff like that, I believe. So um, yeah, that makes it, that, that's really cool. Yeah. And I, I really love that point too, of like, again, with the setting communications and expectations up front, like if I were the founder and I'm fielding these tickets personally, I would want to try to cut them down as much as I can ahead of time. And so you're right. Like FAQs on the product page, FAQs in general on the site, that would also be really good for SEO. If anyone's Googling like my product plus question, like you can answer that up front, get more traffic. Um, and then again, when somebody places an order, you can put that on the order confirmation, um, out for shipment, delivery confirmation. Um, we also order order tracking pages you can brand. So again, like product info up top about when they're getting it. But then on the bottom, it's like, how do I use this? Is there a warranty? What happens if X, Y, Z happens? You know, all that stuff that people want to know, like you can kind of cut those questions off at the knees um, for the most part, or at least eliminate, let's say 50 to 70% of it for yourself. If you just put a little more legwork into the front end of it. Yep. On the, the, the PDPs ahead of time in those emails, um, you have the more updated stats, but uh, probably than I do, but most people check three to four times per order of like their order, their orders being tracked and shipped. Uh, mm -hmm. That that's a lot. That, that's everyone else in the world. That's incredible. I don't check. My, I'm just like it'll get here when it gets here. <laughs> so like that's wow. that's the person. That's sure. me personally. That's Fly me personally. Kind of guy. <laughs> if, if I'm ordering something online, I don't need it by a specific time or like for something. Right. I'm just like eh, it'll come when it comes. So I know that's the stat though. So that's a huge opportunity to be able to like you're saying communicate that along the way. Here's like, here's the, the FAQs again. Here's the expectations. Oh, we just shipped it out. And oh, here's how to use it. If your product needs more education than average, or here, here's how you set up the mattress in a box. Like, right. Maybe like it's much different than a typical mattress that you just like haul into your house. So they're depending on the situation, the product, you may be able to kind of be more proactive and get ahead of those. Um, and then be able to, that saves you time. You go like, Hey, like this is the answer to your question. It's right here. Whether you just send them the link to that thing or be able to mention it there. Um, use that as an opportunity to kind of get feedback. Like, Oh, did you not see this email or what should I include in this email? Like, or when would, how would you be prefer to be communicated with? Like, those are opportunities to like learn and talk to your customers versus just ticket resolve, ticket resolve, and like just try to like you know check it off this list. So exactly, and I mean another interesting point is you know I listen a lot to Repeat's podcast and read a lot of their content. I love what Alex is doing over there, and one thing that they talk about a lot is in order to get someone to make a repeat purchase, they have to use the purchase that they placed first first. Like they're not going to buy it again if they never use it in the first place. So yes. really it's about educating people on the product, how to use it, how to get the most value out of it so that they want it again. And that's such a key thing that's overlooked comically a lot of the time is like, how do I make sure you even use it and it's not in the back of your closet or you like put it in a landfill or it's like a, in the regret pile of things I bought online at midnight, you know? <laughs> so um, I think that's another point of observation on CX is it's 
the experience with the product and making sure the product is actually experienced in the first place uh, is really important. Yeah. Yeah. The customer experience of the product being used, of them benefiting their life, actually applying the skincare, actually trying out, uh, providing scenarios of when to use the makeup you just got. What other uh, pieces of an outfit you could co combine to wear the new top? Uh, what, you know, like just providing more real life scenarios to kind of nudge them to, and this can be in your normal marketing emails uh, as well after the fact, not just the, the four post-purchase ones, right? Just kind of keep keeping top of mind, providing them information in scenarios of like when to use your product and how or... Um, so yeah, that's a, that's that's it's really simple, but I'm kind of just like, huh, yeah, that is you know really good. That's a really big point. So they can't come back and purchase if they still have a full bottle or a full case or pack of whatever that they bought already. Yeah, and the other thing is, you know, if it's food or like let's say a sauce, like give them recipes to use the sauce so it's not just sitting in the pantry and they don't actually put it on something. If it's a vitamin supplement, sometimes those take weeks to kick in and you don't want someone complaining on day five that it's not working. So again, with the setting expectations, education part, like letting them know, hey, um, you've got to take this consistently every day, you know, and most people on average see results around X time. So at least give it that much time. And then, I mean, something I'm seeing with brands that do CX really well is they'll follow up with you via SMS, via email to say, hey, it's been three weeks. That's usually when people start seeing results. How are you feeling about it? And that way they can say, yeah, it's working. I love it. And then you've got a testimonial or they say, no, it's crap. It's not working. And then you can make it up to them um, by giving them like a free extra month to try it out longer or giving them a refund so they don't complain to their friends. You know, there's definite opportunities there to either accelerate positive sentiment or decelerate negative sentiment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the uh, opportunity to get that case, a case study or testimonial or review. Um, that's something that you can share as well in between um, after they purchase and during that window of them trying it out is you, especially, especially with supplements like, oh, on day five, you may not be saying anything, but Sarah and Jeff and so-and-so the before and after of after taking this for three months, right? Like sharing those to keep them back. Oh, I like they did it or like they saw results. So it's not just a basic customer review where it's five stars works great. Like taste doesn't taste as bad as other supplement <laughs> like <laughs> kind of things. Right. It's, it's this like transformation. And so you're really trying to connect with people. So I think that's a really good uh, thing to keep in mind. Um, especially for someone who is uh, both working on brands that actively exist and have, you know, different products. And then also as someone uh, launching products and brands soon. So it's just trying to keep that in mind. So that's awesome. Um, okay. So what's, what's like, um, you mentioned it earlier a little bit about surprising the light. And so this more proactivity, um, this comparing someone who didn't get a surprise and delight gift versus someone who did. Uh, I think I want to talk a little bit more about that before we start 
landing this proverbial podcast plane and coming for a nice landing. So how do we like, what do we, how do we think about that? What do you mean by proactive customer experience and surprising delighting? Like, what does that mean actually? Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I know the template everyone looks at in e-commerce is either if you back it up all the way, Zappos, or if you back it up a little bit less, um, Chewy. Those are like the two brands that everyone talks about for surprise and delight because let's say Chewy, for example, if your pet dies, they like give you a pet portrait based on a photo, like a, an actual physical painting, or they like send flowers to your house or like any food that you ordered through them that you can't use because your pet died, you can like donate it to a shelter, um, like on them, no problem. Um, so like, that's like the gold standard. Um, so like, I think that just means you're actively listening as a CX team to people's situations. You've probably got a budget that's already approved from leadership to spend on those things. Cause you know, like if we spend a hundred dollars, we might get, you know, thousands of dollars long-term in, you know, word of mouth and, you know, customer loyalty. Um, I like to think that maybe they're just doing it cause they know it's the right thing to do, but you know, obviously knowing there's a bottom line to every business and that you care about revenue and metrics, um, it's a savvy business move also. Um, yeah, like it doesn't have to be that elaborate. Um, it can be small gestures. Um, so one of our customers, Red Moose, sends like a free keychain with orders and it costs like a dollar for the business, but it's a reminder and it's a little gift that you get of the brand. Um, so it's just like a nice, like we're thinking of you. Thank you for purchasing. Um, I've gotten emails from founders before that like just say, hey, like, thank you for placing a third purchase. Like it really means a lot to us. Like, you know, and whether it comes with a code for the next order or whether it's just a heartfelt note and a photo of the founder, like that just feels really nice. Um, but then, yeah, it can get a little more tailored. So if you've got, you know, situations where I know like Eli from um, Jones Row Beauty used to work at Olipop and they have like a famous story where a customer was ordering Olipop for their wedding and, um, the CX team bought something off their wedding registry as a gift, like a surprise gift. I mean, you can like, it can kind of be up to the discretion of the person, what they want to do based on what they're hearing on the other end of the line. Um, so it can just be like, we've got we've got budget to do random acts of kindness, or it's like, we always do one of five things depending on the scenario. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's up to you to figure out how, what you're going to do aligns with your brand and how you can best serve your target target audience. And, what their needs are and whether you want to focus on turning negative situations into positive or positive situations into more positive or both. So I guess it just depends on how you're feeling. Um, but yeah, it can be as small as a dollar keychain. It could be as large as a pet portrait. It really just depends on how much you want to invest and how creative you want to get. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, that, yeah. Zappos and Chewy, like you mentioned, are the kind of the two big examples uh, over the you know, Zappos literally like two decades or like decade and a half. Chewy. And we're still talking about it. Yeah, still talking about it. So uh, it kind of has that ripple effect. And so this one thing you might do for one customer, it's not like you put $10 into Facebook and you get your $25 back today, but you put $50, whatever, into that customer, they'll surprise and they'll like, whoa, this is so cool, so thoughtful. 
They might share it. They might talk about it. They might keep you in mind if they're thinking about gifts for people or when their product runs out, it's a no brainer, stuff like that. So I think that's really cool. Exactly. And I mean, the great thing is that the people who invest in post-purchase experiences, like especially our customers, like they really care a lot about the pain, like all the CX leaders I work with on a day-to-day basis really care about the customer's pain points. So that's really what drives them to try to be proactive, to try to build relationships. They really want to help at the end of the day. Like they're very empathetic, which I love. And it's not just the Chewies or the Zappos of the world that are doing this. Like, okay, so for example, Ucora, one of our customers is a like a UTI solution. Um, so they send you, like they're very on top of sending you what you need quickly because obviously it's literal pain you're feeling in your body. Um, and they're very good with the education upfront about how it works on their website. When you have the order emails post-purchase, like they all the FAQs they try to answer upfront. But then it's like they form these actual friendships and relationships with people when they write in about what they're going through, their struggles, their health challenges. Um, you know, they, I think my favorite thing from interviewing the um, head of marketing, and the head of CX together was they said um, one person who wrote in became one of their like best customers, just very loyal to the brand. And they um, ended up introducing, it was either the head of marketing or head of CX's mother to this customer. And they became best friends, like best friends for life, just because like they both were going through the same health struggle and like they just connect they connect people together and it's not just like the relationship between the brand and the customer, but it's like building relationships between customers. And like, when you talk about community and meaningful connection with people, like that is just the heart of it all. And I, I love that story. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so good. And like that ROI, if you even try to have a return on investment is like, you can't really quantify it. Yeah, how do you put a dollar amount on that? You can't, but at the same time, those are those can be the things that move the needle uh, for a brand like this that you stand out among. There's a a lot of brands have unique takes or alternatives or pieces of products, but there's very few DC brands inventing a whole new product and category. So this is how you can stand out is human to human and connecting on that level versus, oh, our, our product's just better. So that's why you like and buy from us. That like a lot of the times that's not the case. So I think this is really good for people to like keep, keep in mind, keep thinking about. Yeah, so, it is kind of ironic because when you treat the customer right, you will be more successful as a business, but it's hard to make the business case to treat the customer right. So unless it's kind of baked into your DNA as a brand, it's really hard to make that argument. Or if you have a CX lead who feels really strongly about it. Um, so it's sort of like a catch-22 scenario. But for the brands who do care and invest, like the rewards in terms of revenue are amazing. Like, yeah. I mean, you can see Patagonia, for example, like killed it. And that was their whole ethos as well as like high quality products that are good for the planet, like from someone who really cares about the mission and values, lives it every day, like great customer service. So like you can see there is a blueprint out there. It's just for every one brand that does that, it's probably another nine that don't. So yeah, it's still, it's still where we have these stories. It's becoming more popular. People are getting an understanding, um, especially as connected to marketing, the paid ads machine is you can't just put in a dollar on Facebook and get 10 back. 
so simply anymore. Those years are long past us. So you actually have to build a brand and a business and this like sense of uh, service and community. So I think this is, this is what we're all kind of uh, talking about it now. And it seems like it should be, we should be done talking about it by now, but clearly this is, we're kind of just in the beginning stages of all this still. <laughs> Maybe <so>. in 2023. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. I think it'll be more, more common, but I think it'll continue to evolve as we have more channels, um, people interacting on like literally like TikTok where I, I see brands like pack orders for their customers and then they like do it and then they post it. And then that's how they get content and people interested. It's like, cool. Like, Submit an order, you get 10% off if you let us pack your order. That's how they get content out of it. And they're going to pack the order anyway. So it's uh, pretty interesting. So I think uh, just things to keep in mind that there's a lot of opportunity. Um, so uh, as we uh, were coming in for the landing, is there anything that I didn't ask you about that's been on top of your mind lately? If there's one more example or statistic or just one thing you'd want to share with the an early stage founder about customer experience? Yeah, so I actually do have one more example. Um, I think again, like you kind of think of CX as behind the scenes, like they operate behind the scenes, they're not really visible, like marketing's the visible face of the brand and then CX is over here, like no one sees us, we're just sort of doing our thing. Um, but what I love is when CX actually has a seat at the table and is part of the marketing experience. So um, one example of that is so Fresh Sends. Um, so they have bouquets that you can send through the mail. and But it's like a very branded experience with like a handwritten note. And it's like beautifully wrapped and like just really a great unboxing experience. Um, one thing that I love that they do that I've never seen anyone else in flowers, let alone D2C do, is... They send out this email either once a week or every other two, every other two weeks um, where they, it's called um, midweek feels. And so they tell you what the notes are that people have sent to their friends or loved ones. Um, so it's anonymous, but it's like, if I were to send my friend a note because she's having a bad day or she finally met the man of her dreams or is kicking cancer's ass, whatever it is. Like, it's like that sense of like personal, emotional investment in these stories of why people send these flowers. And so I imagine what happens is the CX team gathers these notes through the orders and then gives them to the marketing team to put in emails. But it's such a beautiful collaboration. And every time I get one, I'm like, it's like a, a minute out of my day where I'm like, oh my goodness, humanity is actually like not the worst. Um and to have that come from Fresh Sense, it reminds me they exist as a brand. Great. Makes me feel really positive about their whole mission and values. Um, it's just, just great. Like it just makes you feel connected to others. And then you go about your day and it's not interruptive. It's not trying to sell me anything. It's just like, hey, you know, someone made someone else happy today. Like that's so cool. It's so that. cool. It's so good. And like you mentioned, it keeps you top of uh their top of your mind now you might be thinking oh like that scenario happened to my, one of my friends recently or my family member or oh it's this person's birthday coming up and so they're like incepting you with like their mark like on 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 purpose on accident whatever to just keep that like good feeling in mind and associating that that what one, one minute of humanity and hope 
with their brand and we can keep going back to them. So that's really cool. Uh, thanks for sharing that. That was a really good uh, example there. So um, where do you want to point people to if they want to uh, talk to you more about the customer experience, about wonderment, um, anything like plug away. Let, let's uh, let's uh, help you out. Uh, yeah. So if you want to get in touch with me personally, I'm very active on Twitter. Uh, my handle is attack of the text. And then if you want to get in touch with Wonderman, I also run Wonderman social media. So that's at high Wonderman on Twitter. I believe it's also high Wonderman on Instagram. Um, if you want to visit our website, it's wonderman.com. Um, we also have our own podcast we just launched called Thank You Come Again. So if you want to check that out, it's on our website under resources, I believe. It should be wonderman.com slash podcast. Um, but yeah, that's it. Like happy to chat, post-purchase, CX, talk about how amazing our customers are and how incredible what they're doing for their brands is. Um, like really big fan of CX leads and operators. Like they're the unsung heroes of D2C, I think. So um, anyone that has to do with logistics or support has my total um, admiration and awe. Yes. Yeah. Unsung heroes, behind the scenes machines, um, attack of the text, high wonderment, wonderment.com slash podcast. Those are all in the show notes. Go click them, go check them out. Thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, everyone listening. Thanks for tuning in once again, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks everyone. That's it for today. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I love being able to do this, continue to learn and meet people in this industry. Every rating, review, and episode you share with a friend means so much to me as I'm bootstrapping this show as part of my media brand, High Key Geek. If you haven't checked out my other show, Brand Builders, you should. It's with myself and Tom Brown and Richie Mashiko. Two times a week, we talk in a much more casual setting, and we think out loud, we brainstorm, and we share our lessons as we continue to operate and run businesses in the D2C space today. We're not we didn't exit. We didn't just consult and advise now. And we don't, we're in the trenches as we have like every day still. So we're learning in real time and sharing it with you as we go. That's Brand Builders on High Key Geek YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you find your podcast. Catch you next time.